0: Welcome to another episode of the Point of Difference AFL Fantasy Podcast, a different look at AFL Fantasy Classic, brought to you by the Keeper League Pod. This episode, we're doing a good old-fashioned Q&A sesh, going through plenty of listener questions with our special guest, 2021 AFL Fantasy Classic runner-up and two-time top 10 finisher, Kyle Holmesy Holmes.
1: I'm not doing it. Pod
0: All right, welcome aboard to another episode of the Pod Pod. We've got Stato and Louis here, but we don't care about them. Uh, we've also got Dossie. We don't care about him either because we have special guest two-time
1: hat wearer it's Kyle Holmesy Holmes mate how are you going always very well thanks for having me Uh, super pumped to be on the pod pod for the first time in 2022
0: absolutely mate it's great to have you on board and um you're doing your own little thing at the moment though you're you're already on the airwaves yourself you've got a nice little discord set up for the AFL fantasy community do you want to walk us through that before we get into this Q&A show
1: Yeah, so basically just a mate of mine, just wanted to sort of contribute to the community a little bit more, Um, so we just set up this fantasy community Discord server where we provide, you know, a little bit of content through AMAs, we have channels specific for news and players and and all sorts of stuff, so it's flying at the moment, Um, considering we only started just over a month ago, I think we got close to 350 members in there at the moment, Um, so yeah, it's been unreal so far.
0: Absolutely, man. It's a great resource. And, um, somehow um, a man that has managed to jump on there himself, uh, the old fossil Stato managed to access Discord. You enjoying the content over there, Stato?
2: Yeah, it was actually quite enjoyable. Uh forgive the forgive me um, for those that were actually listening the other day when I was getting about 15 work calls during the Discord meet. But uh great to be here. And I'm sure most of you have heard, and um I just want to say that I have become the number one ticket holder of the Josh Dacos fan club after drafting him at Pig 61 in the keeper league, much to everyone's surprise, including myself, to be fair. Um, uh, it was meant to be Nick, but that's A-OK. Uh, got the gold pump-up story today that he's going to spend the whole season on the wing. So he'll probably outscore Nick Dacos by about 20 points. God bless him. And it will be look like a very wise pick indeed.
0: Yeah, we've seen a few Sea Warners um, getting drafted as well uh, in the wrong
3: C Warner <laughs> in the Keeper League. So it's interesting
0: preseason. Louis, how are you going, mate?
3: Good, thanks, mate. Keen to talk a little bit of fantasy. It's all starting to get pretty real now, going into, um, obviously, March when footy uh, has a start. So, um, yeah, chomping at the bit for it. Absolutely. But uh, this episode, we are going
0: to go through plenty of questions because it is that time of year where... We're all wondering what the heck's going on. We're all thinking and we've got three great fantasy coaches with us plus Dossie here uh, to host and I'll be throwing the questions to the good coaches' way this episode so you don't need to hear my answers. It's all about these guys. The first question is going to you, Holmesy, and this one comes from Alex. If you had to pick one out of Titchell, Steele and Miller, who would it be? Uh, he wants to answer that question. So, three of the top dogs in AFL Fantasy Classic, a couple of them ticking over that $1 million mark, Titchell just edging close. Um, who do you have Who do you have if you're picking one?
1: Yeah, so first off, I'd just like to start by saying I don't have any of them in my side. Um, but basically, if you are looking at any of those three, um, you basically need to be super comfortable in the role that they're going to play each week. Um, being such a high price tag, being a captain option. Um, you can't have any risk of, of roll or anything like that. Um, so, I'd be locking in Steele personally. I just think um, he's the main man in that St Kilda midfield. Captain, tackles his way to a good score each week. Um, there's no doubt about it. He's going to be right there in the guts. Um, if you look at Tom Mitchell with that little bit of talk of potential forward time, there's, it's just a little bit, a little bit there. Um, he's still going to be good, but is he going to be... Um, as good as Steele, I'm not too sure. And then you look at a Took Miller, who, who was named captain today as well, should be very good as well. But you would hope um, from a footy standpoint that the Gold Coast midfield kind of share the load a little bit more and you have development from Rao and Anderson and Fiorini-Dos and Flanders and all oh. those sorts of guys, um, which will hopefully um, bring their scoring output up and he might just drop a little bit. But you can't really begrudge any of those picks. They're all, all uh, big dogs for a reason.
0: Gee, I wonder who's at M1 for for Are you not going any of the big dogs? I have to, have to wait
3: for that reveal maybe later on in the show. Um- I think um, Dossie, obviously, those are the top three. So, I think to split hairs, you look at the fixture. And uh, when you do look at the fixtures, Steele's first five are just unbelievable. He's got Collingwood, Frio, Richmond, Hawthorne and Gold Coast Suns. So, that's a player who priced at 121, could come out of the blocks at 130.
0: Good work, Louis. Uh, Speaking of uh, Louis,
3: let's get you a question, mate.
0: Now, some people have directly uh, asked uh, Holmesy a question here, but I'll come back to that one for sure for the great man later. This one's from Nick for you, Louis. How does ownership percentage impact your starting squad and also your trades throughout the season? If you're keen on a player with upside, but they have high ownership, are you more likely to want to go against them or keep the safety in numbers?
3: Oh look, it really depends on the player So um, look, I'll pluck one Uh, It's not necessarily how I feel But let's say James Sicily And he's coming off an ACL He's owned by 50% of the competition Yes, there's upside there He's probably going to He might push 85 fantasy points on average Which is enough at his price But you can go the other way And okay, maybe this guy's going to be a little bit underdone Going into his first season of football in a couple of years Uh, It's going to take a bit to take the pace up Uh, Maybe he only goes 70 across the first six, seven, eight weeks. That's where you can use that ownership against the competition and find an advantage. But um, in terms of whether or not it scares me off with starting players, it it doesn't at all. And honestly, it probably works the other way because this is much more a trading game than it is a starting fantasy team game. So uh, when you are in line with the rest of the comp, it becomes easier to find your points of difference during the season trading
0: great answer. I think uh, Holmes has got a question on trade strategy coming up so that might uh, he might touch on similar aspects. Um, this one's from Jared for you Stato. Captain strategy or strategies for your starting squad?
2: Uh, quite simple that once you've got your, your structure set up you need to ensure that you've got two or three captaincy options. So um, the the bottom line is we're in a new world where you're getting that rolling lockout. So you you obviously always uh, throw a bit of a risky one for your uh, VC, so let's look at round one. At the moment, I've still got uh, McRae and Dunkley in my team. So it's one of those boys, most likely McRae, that gets the VC. Um, and then depending on how that goes and what the matchups are. So Brody Grundy is sitting in my squad, so he's always a captain option. Um, and, of course, you know I love the, the 30 green dots, um, but this is an important one with the rolling lockout. If you do have one that's red, it gives you that loophole option. So if McRae goes and pops out, I've actually got Clayton Oliver in as well, so he might be a, um, a potential option. Um, to be the VC but if they pop out a a 125 I'm just banking that. Start the season well, take those points no risk of injury after that um, and uh, lock it away. So I always find uh, or want to have uh, a certain amount of captains options to start and as you're completing your team hopefully you're just building more Um, but at the moment I'll consider that I've got five potential depending on the the matchups, And I think that's really important that you've got that flexibility so you can actually pick the player that's going to score you the most points in any given week.
1: Can't help but notice, Stato, that 29 green dots and one red dot is not rule effing one. Um, do you want to explain yep.
2: that? Yeah. Yeah, that's rule effing one A um, means <laughs> I've got some points in the bank. Um, but it's... Rule effing one, um, I'm really strong on that because of the cash generation. But there are some little points and times where you got to say, I need some points in the bank. Um, the preference is not to do it. But, look, if you get a really good score from your VC, I think you got to take it and not risk it away. Were you a looper last year for your high finish there, Holmesy? I mean,
0: were you, like, consistent looper or just a couple of times?
1: Yeah. Uh... Well, yeah, towards the the end of the season and through the middle, you're obviously going to have a red dot here and there that you can use, but it also burns people if we saw last year with the late COVID outs as well. If you're trying to loop and then there's the laid out carnage and whatnot, you could end up in a pretty sticky spot. So, high risk, high reward, I guess.
0: Absolutely. This one from Bernarda Fritters for you, Holmesy. Trade strategies from your top 10 finishes. What rounds did you finish off your mids? um, And was this a priority to finish first?
1: Yeah, so I suppose um, the difference between last year was the fact that we just had so many forced injuries throughout the year. So I didn't actually finish my midfield till quite late simply because of all the forced injuries, the amount of DPP that I had, I was just flinging players left, right and centre. So it was all a little bit jumbled um, and not sort of complete per se. In terms of trading strategy, I think the rolling lockout and everything that comes with playing fantasy in 2022 means that you just need to be aggressive. Um I love Stato's model of his three five one three in terms of trying to pick your keepers, but you need to be pretty flexible and agile in realising when one is a keeper and one isn't a keeper. So, like a Tom Phillips, for example, last season, um, we all picked him as a underpriced keeper, and a lot of us held him to the buy, hoping that they would bounce back under that model, but realising from watching it and just trusting your gut almost, trading him out early because he was no longer that keeper. He was more of a failed mid-pricer um, allowed me to be aggressive and, and shoot up the ranks.
0: So have you always been aggressive early early days? Because I reckon, you know, I've, we talked about this last year when you are on our other show, but, you know, I was trading early days just to fix up rookies, which was such a stupid error and something I'll look to correct this year. But You were trading and going from these failures very, very early and, you know, a lot of people might think to hold on because, hey, these guys are kind of trusted, there was a reason we picked them, etc. But it's hard to jump off. But do you often- Have you done this before and has it worked before?
1: I suppose, um, like listening to Selby, he sums it up pretty well. So, I'll use you for example, Dossie. Like last year, I think you had a Harry Sharp, right? And then when he was dropped, you traded a Harry Sharp to the next 190K or 170K rookie off the bat. Terrible. And that rookie no, has no more guarantee of playing consistent games than Harry Sharp that was just dropped, right? So, mm. yeah, you, there is merit in having your 30 green dots and whatnot, but um, it's obviously you need to fix your team elsewhere as well. So, that's where the game theory comes into it. Um, and it's not simply a case of just shifting those the red dots to a potential green dot for another week when they could just come back in the, the next round anyway.
2: Absolutely, yeah. And, and there's no hard and fast rule to dossie. So um, I, I know there's a there's that great example of Tom Phillips last year. But we only have to go the year before, and Josh Dunkley, after seven rounds, was averaging seventy, and there were a whole heap of people that jumped off, and then it just switched, and off he went, and averaged something like uh, 112 or 13 for the remainder of the season. So it's actually picking your marks. Yeah. Oh, that's
0: a good point as well. Uh, Louis, this one from Miller Time, Mr. Number Five from a couple of years ago. Is anyone else genuinely concerned Heaney is going to burn them? That's an interesting question. I think a lot of people are super high on Heaney, given he's fairly underpriced, regardless of what role he plays. Um, and there's also talk of him playing in the midfield. But are you one that is concerned, Louis?
3: Um, no, nah. well, I suppose the answer is it's less and less each week. His ownership just keeps on climbing amongst good coaches. Uh, they've all clued into the fact that the mid time does seem real. Uh, Mills is a good chance not to play around one, so there's certainly a hole there for him. And at the end of the day, uh, he's someone who sat in my team most of the preseason just based off the fact that he was 14 points underpriced as a forward, which he's played for the last six years. Whereas if there's any inkling of you know, 25%, 30% midfield time, and I think you'll get more than that, then there's only points added on top of that. And once you get sort of 12 points above a starting price, that's when you when you can have a successful pick, I think.
0: Perfectly said, mate. You breezed through that one. Why don't we give you another one? This one from Lauren Simpkin versus Brayshaw.
3: Um, yeah, good question. Uh, they're both up-and-comers, young guys, have shown a bit of fantasy pedigree. Um There's a very long list of midfielders at North Melbourne, and they're not going to be a very good side this year. Uh, And Simpkin does appear to be probably the number one tag target, if not number two, just behind LDU. But uh, he might be a little bit more difficult to tag, given he's a bit more inside. Whereas at Frio, the main guy probably is now Andrew Brayshaw. So uh, if we're looking at a 60K gap, what's that equate to about five to eight points or so. Um, I'd probably just lean towards Simpkin Just just because of the value you're getting as a starting pick. And um, there's still a few little question marks over Brasher and how we can deal with that tag, as with Simpkin as well. But um, in terms of a starting pick, I'm, I'm probably on Simpkin Just, but I'd be keen to see what Holmesy thinks about that.
1: Yeah, to be honest, you summed it up pretty well. Um, that's the main concern that I have with Brayshaw, um, just with a few of the games I saw last year of him being tagged out of it. Um, but also, on the flip side, Simpkin was tagged out pretty heavily in, in one of the games in the back end last year too. So, it's it's interesting. I think you summed it up pretty well when you said that North aren't going to be that good this year. So, you would, you would think that not a lot of teams would go in and, and tag, but it still has to be weighed up either way. At the end of the day, that price difference, I think, gets it over the line considering they both likely will average pretty similar at, at the back end. I know Stato's big on Brayshaw, but I don't see any reason why Simkin can't elevate to that, you know, 105 to 110 mark um, also.
0: Hey, Stato, this one coming in for you from Lauren as well. Your thoughts on Zach Bailey, uh, news today coming out that it's Rayner and Bailey getting all that mid time at the Lions. Uh, they're moving Neil to a, what, a forward flank or something, Zorko to a half back. It's Zach Bailey season. But in all seriousness, you've got basically him. Uh, he's priced less, you know, four points less than Isaac Heaney. Is there is there any chance you could go like a, a Zach Bailey for that midfield breakout? Um, I probably don't see him as that top uber-premium scorer, but he might average enough for you to pick him at that price.
2: Yeah, it's interesting today that they've gone to the press and saying their best defensive uh, midfielder is moving out of the midfield and then their Brownlow medalist and best inside midfielder is moving out of the midfield, um, which is interesting. So, Jared Lyons and Lockie Neal out. Yeah. Um, and Zach Bailey and um, the person that couldn't run previously uh, in. So yeah, it's an interesting call. Um, I don't really understand um, the theory. There must be something about building the um, the expectations or the or, or creating a bit of positive vibe in our group. And you know, there's a whole group we're gonna give something different in there Um, and I've got no doubt they'll change a little bit but I think it may be extreme but I've got a question for Holmesy later on about that. Um, Zach Bailey I really like. As a football player, I think he is potential um, to be the most talented player on that list. Um, Whether he is best football is in the midfield or whether it's a mixture of mid-forward because he can create scoreboard pressure uh, and there's not a lot of players that have that unique skill so if I was to say if you got a good midfield how would I best use Zach Bailey as a coach uh, it would be uh, as a very creative half-forward with little dashes in the midfield uh, do I like him Absolutely. Um, but I'm more reliant on uh, draft options for him uh, just yet. Um, but the future's very bright. So in a keeper, I reckon he should be rated extremely highly. I think the hard thing is that at the exact same price as well as Zach Butters, who there's
0: also messaging that he's going into the midfield and we've kind of seen some pretty explosive... Um, disposal games when he does get a chance, and it's been kind of more limited. I think we have seen Bailey get a decent shot in the midfield last year, and the scoring wasn't really that explosive. So, Louis, I you think you could thoughts.
3: even go down again, Doss. You've got Jade Gresham, who's a very similar player, I think for 120k less than that, too. So, it's one to keep in mind if you're keen on that type of player, I suppose.
2: Holmesy from Cray, One that only play a couple of games
3: remains to be seen. I'm not on him.
0: <laughs> um, from Craig uh, Holmesy, Craig wants to know your updated thoughts on starting a Bruce at R three with a combo of a Grundy and a Darcy Rob Marshall, that sort of thing. So, what do you think of having Bruce as your bench cover at that price?
1: It's been in my mind this whole preseason about how we're going to tackle this, and to be honest, I'm not going to rule anything out until the round one teams drop and we know whether or not we've got any viable. Um, lower-priced rookies for that R3 spot. Obviously, if we have someone that is capable of putting up a a 50-plus average, they're going to sit there over a Pruce. However, it is going to absolutely terrify me to go two premium rucks with no cover throughout this COVID season, knowing that a potential donut could could happen at any moment. Fantasy is stressful enough as it is without that. So, wait for the round one teams, but I'm definitely not ruling it out just yet.
0: Do you reckon Craig didn't include um, Gorn as an R2 option just to get under your skin a bit there, Holmesy? I know you're a big fan of the Grundy-Gorn combo.
1: Well, he wouldn't be at R2, Dossie. He'd be at R1. He's the most expensive Ruckman.
0: Touche. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> Touche. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Jesus.
0: Right-o, mate. All right mate uh, alright <laughs> This one from Sammy. Thoughts on Liam Henry with the chat of him playing a wing at 317K priced at 38, Louis?
3: Um, I'm pretty sure he had pretty good junior numbers, but there's been a few guys who have been spoken about being on that wing for the Dockers. Um, At 317K, it's probably a little bit expensive for me for um, someone I just haven't seen enough of at AFL level. Um, So, no, for me, I'd rule it out, I think.
0: All right, question for all of us. What under 5%ers are you surprised are 5%ers? So what point of difference players that are owned by under 5% of the comp are you surprised are under 5%? This is probably just going to be someone who's sitting in your team that's under 5% because you're that keen on them. You got one for us, Stato?
2: I've got two in my midfield um, that I'm expecting to be keepers that are under 5%. Uh, Josh Kelly, um, so he's sitting at a price of 104, and I'm probably expecting between a 108 and 112 um, around that mark. So um, I think he's got a fair bit of upside. If you remember, he had an interrupted preseason last year, uh, started in the forward line, actually got forward status. That's how much he was. Uh, um, playing there but as soon as he got fit enough he was moved to the midfield so and still averaged 104 uh, and Adam Chera but you've all heard me bang on about Adam, Adam Chera for a long long time.
0: We know that you are representing the pod pod very well this pre-season with your team Stato we've uh, we've got a lot of pods in there. Uh, what about you Holmesy and Louie? got any <laughs> names for us you first Holmesie?
1: Um, Well I've like Stato, I've got Josh Kelly in my team, and I've got Simpkin as well. Currently, I'm like like I know Louis is. I'm pretty bullish on his his output for 2022. I'm, I haven't looked at his ownership percentage, but when I first got on him, I think he was about one percent. So, yeah. There you go.
0: Is Kelly that M one there? Not, not M1. All right. Uh, we'll, we'll find out. Uh, Louis, what about you, mate? Any any names to throw at us under 5%? Um,
3: look, he's just gone over 5% just because I think the traders talked about him a bit on the recent podcast. But George Hewitt uh, was around roundabouts there, whereas we've had plenty of messaging on what that role is going to be. And another one I'm I'm pretty surprised about is um, James Cetus, who's a rookie, uh, is only 4.5% of all teams so he's someone who uh, we talked about it last week on the rookie podcast who should come in and make an immediate impact uh, if named so i'm a little bit surprised he's not uh, even to throw away sort of m10 on people's benches hey
0: stato zach wants to know your thoughts on
3: Trelaw as a f2 or
0: are there better options uh
2: look he's got the scoring pedigree hasn't he um I'm I'm just going uh, Josh Dunkley at the moment, but I obviously want to see the practice games and the uh, and the real stuff before I make the final decision. But look, Trelaw um, is a bit of there's um, a bit of value there, but look, to be honest, I can't get rid of that salmon vision in my brain. So I know that he's got the the soft tissue tissue threat. Um, so that sort of lingers a little bit, but let's face facts: a bit like Josh Dunkley, had an interrupted preseason. He was slow. He was playing um, not fantastic roles to start the season. So therefore, he's underpriced. Um, so him being a uh, F two um, is no doubt it's uh, a worthwhile punt because we know his scoring pedigree. But I will say I've got two in there at the moment. I still have that too-many-mouths-to-feed issue with the Bulldogs um, and want to see how they're playing.
3: Just a little stat on Adam Trelaw too. I think between uh, rounds three and nine, he actually went at an average of 109. So he's he's certainly still got the scoring capability, but uh, all the points that Stato raised, all very valid.
0: Good one, Lou. Uh now, I don't know if you read the article today. There's a lot of waves around um, the Collingwood players in terms of their midfield yeah. rotation. Did you get a chance to have a look at that one, Holmesy? Because this question's about the Pies midfield. So Andy wants to know, are we convinced Maynard will roll through the midfield? Now this was a day ago, so probably the article only dropped today, I think. But I actually haven't had a chance. So a quick recap on the article and uh if you'd still if you'd be choosing Maynard based off it.
1: Oh, yeah. So, it was a very interesting article. They basically outlined four different types of midfielders that they would like to have go through there. Not players, but like explosive, endurance, whatever. And then they threw up a number of names and and who might go through there. And Adams was touted to spend a little bit more time forward um, to protect him a little bit. Um, i just bring it back to I have probably the number one rule for fantasy is that I need to do the eye test on everything. Um, I tend to not believe a single word that comes out from these AFL articles. <laughs> they're obviously all written in a way that presents bias to promote whatever they're trying to promote. Um, so, until I actually see that Collingwood midfield in the preseason, even then I'm not going to be entirely convinced. Um, if it is a risky option that I'm looking at, I'll tend to trade them mid in, in round two or three once I've actually seen it round one.
0: Yeah, you're very much not a fan of those six hundred ish k guys, are you as well? I just get that feeling off your homesy, Unless you are one hundred
1: percent, they ain't getting in your team. There's no chance. Well, they just they tend to burn more often than not. And every single preseason, everyone just can't poke a single hole in them. They're all going to go where they want. They're all going to improve, and then it just never seems to happen other than the bar few. So you just just need to be cautious. That's all.
0: Hey, yeah, be they need to be the right ones.
2: What's that, Lou?
1: Uh, what's that, Sato?
2: I said um, you need to pick the right ones. That was it. Okay. You can move on. Ben wants to know then for Louie, is Titch
0: a viable option at M1? Um, and will you have any FOMO with not selecting steel? It sounds like a few of the – well, a couple of the top coaches here aren't Picking steel to start with, uh, going with a bit of a different route. But Louis, what about you, mate? Um, and is Titch that option for M1 if you're not going to go steel?
3: I think he can be. I think there's a few more question marks over Titch than there is steel. So I certainly won't have FOMO over not starting steel because he'll be in my squad. But uh, in terms of Titch, I think he went at uh, 129 or something in the second half of the season after a little bit of a slower start. Um, He's fully fit, hasn't missed the training session. Really, he should pick up where he left off. I do see him as that 116 averaging player. Uh, The only question marks I'd like to have answered is how solidified is that role? Uh, With the new coach, obviously, Sam Mitchell's going to come in. There's a honeymoon period that he's got where he can basically... Um, You can throw the magnets around. You can try some different things. Losses really aren't going to matter. It's a little bit like North Melbourne uh, probably two years ago where they just tried a few things, tried players in different roles, and the losses didn't matter as much as them improving as a team. So um, in terms of a viable option at M1, though, um, I think it's brave to go against Titch as well. So uh, I've still got my tickets on him.
1: Yeah, I think um, Xavier Ellis actually sums it up quite well on the Moreira's Magic podcast with his footy insight when he says that what purpose does it serve the rebuilding Hawks for Tom Mitchell to be their best player? Like he, he is their best player, but for them to start pushing up, rebuilding and then building towards another premiership, they need their younger guys coming through. So he's always going to be a very good option because he's a pig and he's just going to attract the ball no matter what. It's just whether he has that 100% midfield rotation locked in or whether he plays more of a role elsewhere. And then that's where you can build the argument to kind of go against him.
0: It, it's a bad comparison because one player I'm not a fan of his game and the other player I absolutely uh, love. But look at Jack Zeeble and, and his role, how it transformed for North Melbourne when they hit that rebuilding period. He was straight out of the midfield and into a new role. So, I can, I can understand that logic and it'll be interesting where to see. I just think he's just too good inside that Sam Mitchell, the competitive edge – Sam Mitchell's had over the years, he'll want to get a couple of dubs and that'll result in Titchell going straight back in there. And you've changed changed a better
3: example. Better example would be Travis Spoke, I think, for Port a couple of years ago, was shipped off to the half forward line in favour of some of the younger blokes at Port Adelaide. Um, obviously that didn't work out as well and he he made his way back there, but uh, even this year Pendle's going to a half back flank very similar. We'll just
0: see if it happens, though. Hey, that's right, Holmesy. We can't believe we can't believe the news until it happens. Isn't that right? That's right. All right. This this question was tailor-made for Stato. It's just come up
1: perfectly in time, but I'm going to skip him. Holmesy, thoughts on Chera? Um, yeah, I'd love for Stato to sell me a little bit more. Obviously, um, watching a lot of Freo over the years, he's clearly a gun, and I think his fantasy numbers would have been a lot better in his first and second seasons, if he wasn't being played as a defender, um, as soon as he obviously went into that midfield role, um, he really did break out and show potential. Um, just interesting going to Carlton. Fantasy scorers at Carlton just don't go well unless you're Sam Walsh. Um, Zach Williams was touted. Everyone could not see how he wasn't going to go 105 last year and goes to Carlton and was terrible. So, Chara is 10 times the player Zach Williams is. I have no doubt he's going to improve and go a lot better. But from an 87 price point stater, you'd need him to go, what, 103 plus? And it's, it's a fair amount of growth. Yeah, so I'm looking at, at, at just
2: over a ton. So uh, hopefully um, tapping that 105. But look, at the end of the day, um, he's always been a better fantasy player than Brayshaw. So his junior numbers were better than Brayshaw. Um, he's run home to the last five with Frio when it was opening up a little bit more, was actually better. And we're only talking marginally, but his last five he averaged 111. His junior career is about 113. It's the type of player he's going to be. He's that perfect mix of in and out, which is exactly what Carlton Football Club needs. So if I was doing the list management for Carlton Football Club, um, I'd be patting myself on the back. So there were two things they needed. They needed that... Uh, um, two-way defensive-style midfielder insider, which they got in George Hewitt, and they needed that, uh, the number two sort of Sam Walsh that was all of a sudden they have two or three people they've got to worry about, and that's when you create scoring opportunities. Because Sam Walsh uh, has got that tag of probably being the best player at Carlton Football Club, um, he, if anyone's going to be tagged, it'll be Walsh first and Chera will just have that beautiful run where he can make the most out of the footy. So he'll get tagged for the first month though? No, they'll go Cripps. He's actually looking pretty good by the way. So don't I know Crippers had a, a couple of bad years um, and I think he's planned it wrong. The really weird thing is they trimmed him down to become a runner in 2020 when they shortened the quarters <laughs> they made him bulky and strong to get back into the inside bull that he was originally when they actually brought in the stand rule which made the game quicker and more for runners so they've done it reverse 2 years on the trot and he's been nursing the the back issue, etc. So all of a sudden he's got a clean run in it. I think you're going to see the bull back. So I'm I'm not expecting the the 110, which I think everyone thought. He's he's got a core role and he's probably a 95 to 102 averaging player. Sounds like
0: uh, Stato is going to be having Hewitt, uh, Chera, Walsh when he's fit and
2: back. Probably Cripps
0: in his team this year. No, Patty I won't Day have Walsh on the bench. <laughs>
2: No, I've got Paddy Dow. On field. Um, he's uh, yeah, he's um, he's actually sitting in M5. I <laughs> moved out um, Sarong and put in Paddy Dow. <laughs> All right, let's move on. This one from Joku. Um,
0: could you start steel and titch at M12 or get better value at M2? I think we've pretty much covered this, Holmesy. Uh, you reckon better value up?
1: Right? Yeah, I think if you're spending up that much, in those two positions you're going to be spending down somewhere else a little bit too much I think you could probably find um, better value elsewhere and kind of spread your spend across multiple lines and then hopefully either get a rookie off the ground or or get someone up to a better scorer
0: another one for you then Holmesy from Daniel short versus Dawson for D3 short with Julio out or Dawson with the possible mid time um, price roll and upside he likes both but who do you pick out of those two
1: Uh, Or either Short has spent a little bit of time In my side this preseason. However He's one of those guys That aren't going to burn you A little bit like All these premium defenders They're always going to average That sort of flat Flat 90 to 95 Whatever it is They're not going to come out And go 150 Where their their price Kind of skyrockets And you're chasing So Generally, they're, they're seen as, as upgrade targets throughout the year. So I probably wouldn't be starting either of them, to be honest, um, considering I'm a little bit hotter on Lloyd and Whitfield. But in saying that Dawson probably does have more upside per se. Um, we've spoken about this dossier though. I'm still not sure how Dawson fits into that Adelaide side and the fact that he's gone from high scoring Sydney to bottom dwellers Adelaide. I, I just don't think it's a walk up that he's just going to average 95 to 100 like everyone, everyone thinks.
0: I see what you mean, though, in the extra kind of growth potential, though, because Short had a pretty bloody good role last year. And I know Hooley's going out, but he already had a crap load of the kick-ins, et cetera. So, he's just going to have to lift it up another gear this year, which could happen, but you probably see the upside with Dawson a bit easier with that mid-time. Um, this is a keeper league question, and we're going to throw it to Louis because he's, he's all of a sudden, he's done, he's done a keeper now. He's, he's in a keeper league and he's, he's doing some mock drafts. Who do you cut for your season two out of Bianco or
3: Brody? Who, who would you prefer to have long term, Louis? Trent um, Bianco we, or Will, will Brody? Brody? Um, I'd rather keep Bianco. I, I don't think Will Brody will be on a list for long. Jeez. All right, that's rough. Poor Broads.
2: Um, you got Johnson and Erasmus not getting games because they're the first year. Um, So, yeah, they need a bit of size in there, but you won't be able to honour the tuck for much longer either when you look at it. So, where's Mm. Tucky going to play when all these gun midfielders uh, mature? Yeah, that's a good point.
0: It's probably a one-season wonder. They do need it this year, though. That's for sure. Need those big bodies. Mm. Uh, Adams and Simpkins, Stato, we've kind of mentioned maybe that Collingwood article about Adams – Floating a bit more forward You might not be keen on him But I mean Lots of people talking about Simpkin We've got Holmesy and Louis' thoughts They're pretty keen What about you on Simpkin And Adams for that matter Just in case you are keen
2: Yeah love uh, Adams But he's a high risk reward player uh, I don't know how many seasons He's played a full year It wouldn't be too many um, But he is looking fit and strong But as we say, there is the potential. Let's see the practice games first. There's the potential that he could play a bit of different roles to protect him. So they're obviously realising that the bash and crash, even though he's good at it, is the reason why he does get some injuries. Um, I think he's 28 now and there's no doubt there's some players um, as their age, if they've been that sort of strong inside players, that it does catch up with them. Uh, Simpkin I really like, um, but the points that Louis made uh, before are so true that at the end of the day he's going to be the one that gets uh, attention, um, but I, I think he's going to have some high-ceiling games this year. But uh, I think it's going to be you're going to get some 130s, but you're going to get some 60s here and there too. Brady's asked, what's your strategy
0: with the Rucks, Holmesy? But then Ben's come in and answered, he's Gorn and Grundy. I'll save you the trouble. Is this correct? He's still Gorn and Grundy going the double primos? Or should I say, yeah, Gorn and Grundy, that's right. Gorn's at
1: uh, R1, isn't he? Yeah, well, we do have a a specific Ruck channel in our Discord, and I do like to just go in there every single day and just hashtag uh, Gorn Grundy just so everyone knows where we're sitting, so... That's where we're at at the moment. Um, I believe the well. I'm going on the Traders podcast next week to talk all things Rucks, so I can't wait to get absolutely roasted. But we'll see how it all plays out.
0: Mate, you're everywhere. You're all over the shop. You're, uh, you're the man of the moment at the moment
2: on the podcasting
0: scene. Uh, this
2: one from Connor. I, I, I 100% agree with him, though. Um, having the set and forget, to me, is the best model for the Rucks. So, whenever okay, any it? of us try that, we think we've got a cheap. Sorry? Absolutely. But you're not going the Gorn
0: and Grundy, though. You're going a different way.
2: I'm, I'm going um, Darren
1: Burgess. Just on that of I, uh, hmm? I listened to a podcast today, um, the Plus Six podcast, where Pete interviewed one of the journos out of Adelaide. And he reckons he's been talking to Matthew Nix a fair bit and they really rate what Strawn's doing down there and they want to get games into him similar to the way that they're going to get uh. games into Hayes. So, what do you think about that?
2: <laughs> oh, I'm going to start crying. But again, it's just people talking in the media, isn't it? Yeah, Kyle's co- hey? just yeah, said he doesn't believe anything uh-huh. in the
0: preseason, and he's bought it. He's bought this. Yeah. He's just trying he's to, just try-
1: try- to throw a bit of shade <laughs> on Stato. I'm just... All right, my get boy, off my wait, boy roll. wait until round five, which is my point, when he's <laughs> dropped, and then what are you going to do? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well,
2: I hope it's not the case. Um, I'm not expecting it to be. I don't think it's a smart move for the coach to be doing those type of things either, unless his form's poor. Um, but let's wait and see what the pre-season games. But if he's like I'm expecting him to be, he's the right one to hop on. But well, The same with you. What happens if Gorney's actually in the forward line for 40% of the game?
1: Yeah, well, then obviously I'll have to readjust and see what happens, but obviously doing my research and what I've seen in games <laughs> up until this point, um, there's nothing in my head that suggests that he will be spending 80% forward time like Dossie keeps seem to throwing out there all the time. No, I, I said, yeah, hang yeah, on, the, that's, I that's said
0: incorrect. on the rare occasion <laughs> when they're <laughs> up by 100 points against North, then they will give... Old Bay, Jackson, 80% of the CBAs. That's all, all I, right. I said,
1: Go. So if they're up so by 100 it. points over, over a side and Gorn's sitting forward, has he got eight or nine goals?
2: <laughs> 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 but I, I will say that um, I think there's really only five to consider this year and they've all got some form of question marks about them outside Grundy. Louis, still Bruce, Still Bruce for you, mate?
3: Yeah, still pro, so I was just going to say there's, there's something a bit weird about Kieran Strawn I remember sitting next to him in a pub once And uh, no, no gravy on his snitty, just preferred a, a lemon wedge I just thought oh. I'd add that quite, <laughs> quite strange, I couldn't pick him based off of that <laughs> that's, that's some insight there uh, for our fantasy sides yeah. All right, You don't can't... get
2: selected with a lemon wedge
0: No <laughs> Um, Connor, what is your D5 and F5 looking like and how many sub 300K players are you starting as of now? Do we want to quickly look through our D5s and F5s and uh, let him know? Let's go through. Uh, Harmsy, who you got D5, F5? Who's Harmsie? Uh Harmsy. Harmsy, sorry, mate. John
1: Harmsy. John Harmy <laughs> is another top. Two-time top ten finishing. Why coach. is it? Why is it? Homesy heroes, by the way, not Homesy's heroes. Because Homesy's heroes was taken, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> Who's got the higher top ten Harms-y.
3: average between you and Homesy?
1: Oh, I'm not too sure, but the one thing we both have is that it's more than Stato. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so black. <laughs> Point taken.
2: (laughs) Well played, sir. Uh, I do have have a 12 and a 13, but they're still not single digits, so we'll move on. Um, So where were we going, D5 or D6? I've got Wayne Miller
0: and Will Phillips at the moment. Don't at me.
1: Oh, Dossie. Louis? Dossie, Dossie, Dossie. Um, At D5, I've got
3: uh, Miller and at F5, I've got Kerno. Stato?
2: Um, yeah, just playing around today. So the first day these guys have been in is just finding different forms. But I've got Noah Ainsworth at D5 um, and I've got Will Phillips.
1: Ooh. And I what have you, Chessa at D5 and then Rochelle at F5. Um, basically just rookie placeholders, higher ones so that um, – Hopefully, when round one are named, I can go down to them without having to change too much.
2: Perfect. And ditto the same here, depending on who gets named. And this one from Hayden, great name. Uh, If you had the ability of foresight on
0: one player in each position that you associate with high risk, high reward, who would they
1: be? Gee, defender, Combsy, what's a defender? It's got to be Aaron Hall. He can win you the comp, but he can also ping a hammy and be done, so... (laughs)
0: He's already done it. Uh, Louis, mid. Uh, Look, off the top
2: of my head, Matt Rao, Stato, forward. Um, Zach Butters um, could have a massive ceiling but could just go into one contest a little bit too hard and fall into three bits. And Pruce is the obvious candidate for that ruck spot. Um, The ultimate
0: risk reward with that cash gen that he could produce. Well, that's the all the questions I had. Was there any more that you guys saw on the Twitter sphere? Is that got through them all? I think we I think we managed to. But what I wanted to do to finish off, you guys are all at the top of your level, top of your game in the coaching AFL fantasy. I want. You, do you guys have a question for each other? Some have done it a
2: few more times than others, but anyway, that's okay.
0: <laughs> Holmesy, have you got a question for the crew here before we head off?
1: Yeah, I'll throw it to Stato um so 2018 obviously your big year finishing it was third right yeah what do you think you've done differently over the last few years to not be you know chasing that top 100 again or seriously competing for the top prize
2: yeah it's uh speaking to dos mainly (laughs) I, i would say is the reason no no um no, it's look. You you need to have good strategy, but you also need to have a bit of luck. And um, it's fair to say after those two years, seventeen, eighteen, which were both hat years, um, I haven't had the the luck. And probably there's a lot more noise. So there's um, there's more interference. So what I mean by that is I used to do all my research. Um, there would be the the Traders, there would be Footy Rhino podcasts and my stuff on the Draft Doctors and it would be basically all that I would hear. So you get some information um, but now you have a lot of noise um, and unfortunately if you listen to all the noise, sometimes when it's pointed in the wrong direction because everyone has opinions, uh, it can sway your thoughts and um, So I think I mentioned, might have been this one or with a chat with you guys about Isaac Cumming. Hot on him for three years, had done the research. I was just waiting for the right time and just listened to a bit of noise about him in a negative sense and decided not to go that way. So all of a sudden that's a a season-defining pick. Um, Two or three of those, I told you I actually um, uh, brought in our good friend uh, at Geelong who's um, now made his way over to Fremantle instead um, but three picks just put me on the back foot last year so this is why do your research um, hear all the stuff but listen to the important stuff so um, pick and choose who you take details so I think everyone has bias and when you listen to bias um or listen to other people's bias and let it impact the decision-making process, that's when you can get in trouble.
3: Looking yeah. at it the other way too, you, you see all this information out there. There's plenty of people providing advice, uh, lots and lots of different podcasts where you can get across all these types of players. Um, and what that's actually done is certainly in the last three years I've noticed is the standard of coach has just gone up. So as the competition gets better, it's going to be more and more competitive, which can be harder to to sort of pick your gaps in rankings.
0: Louis, you've got the mic, mate. Do you want to ask Holmesy something for before he
3: before he leaves us for a bit? Um, yeah, I will. So I am. Do Do you think Josh Dunkley and Adam Treloar are top six forwards?
1: Um, it's so tough. I think by average, 100%, they'll both be top six forward by the end of the year. It's whether both of them are going to put full seasons together and provide that top six overall points. I think I think it's tough to start both of them. Um, I'm not starting both of them at the moment because here you go, Dossie, my M1 is Jack McRae and I'm trying not to load up too much um, with the same team. Um, but There's definitely merit in starting both of them. I had Trelaw last year actually through that time that you spoke about through rounds three to nine when he wasn't lighting the world on fire, but um, he was still getting the job done and he was cheap. But he just worries me with that injury history. Um, I just keep coming back to that grand final and it's not good to just cherry pick one game, but I don't see Trelaw as that accumulator that he was at Collingwood anymore. Like They don't need that type of player. They just need him to go in Um, Just be explosive for a little bit, Um, you know, kick some goals from that half-forward line and and just provide something different. They've got McRae, they've got got Libba, they've got those guys in there doing the stuff that he used to do and I just don't see him being that 1-0, whatever it is, 5 guy that you probably need him to be, Um, whereas Dunkley, sky's the limit. Like, we saw he was, what, the top averaging player in the comp for the first six games last year, Averaging 115. Um, yes, he came back pretty slowly, but I, I just attribute that to this the COVID year of them not being able to train properly, um, coming back from long-term injuries. No one really seemed to be able to do it. You look at Dunkley, Trelaw, Dylan Shield, Matt Rau, the list goes on. All of these guys that we know can play, but just all were super slow. So, I don't think you're going to be looking at the back half of Dunkley's season as an indicator for what he's going to do this year. And if you don't start him and he goes 115 for that first six games, he's going to be pretty difficult to get in, I would have thought.
2: Uh, Just a quick question. So you've got McRae up one. You've got Josh Kelly in there as well. Is Josh Kelly your M3? Uh, Josh Kelly's M2. Oh, okay. So you've only got really one big dog and then you've got everyone else that has effectively got upside
1: I mean, when you've got Grundy and Gorn, um, obviously you need to have to you have to trim your spending elsewhere. Yep. It's just how it is. Yep.
0: Yep. Stato, one final question Fair for Holmesy.
2: Yeah. So obviously we um, we saw an interview with the the Brisbane coach um, and talked about uh, Rayner and Bailey um, getting more mid time. And uh, our two big boys from previous years actually moving out to different roles. Um, does that impact your thoughts? So I'm guessing your M3
1: currently is Lockie Neal. Does that change? Uh, so yes, yeah, so I've got Lockie Neal M4 actually. Oh, is he more expensive than Simkin? I do have both of them, but they're obviously like really, really close. So, um, yeah. yeah. Look, I saw the article today and like I said, I, I really want to see it first. But when I do, I play the scenario in my head and I go, all right, so they were so close two years in a row and they just didn't quite get there. So part of me says that they're, they're chips in on a flag, they're going to be playing their best players in their best positions and they're going to go at it again. But the other half says, well, okay, they got that close um, and they need to do something different. So if I had to just guess, I would say that not much is going to change really. I think maybe rather than Lockie Neal having 80% and Jared Lyons having 75%, maybe they both sit down a little bit more at 60-ish and Uranus and Baileys get a little bit more. But I can't see it being enough to you know throw them permanently forward where they're going to be not, not good picks. That's just in my head. Um, I really want to see it more round one than anything because I can't see any real reason why they would throw... Lockie Neal and Jared Lyons into the centre in round uh, in a practice game um, when we know what they're going to do, okay? But they're going to do that in the season, so there's no point practising it. They're going to throw the guys in there that they want to give minutes throughout the year just to see what they can do.
0: Fantastic. Um, I, won't, I won't ask my own question for you, Homesy We're running... You know, fairly late on time here, but I will hit up your DMs um, daily uh, for the remainder of the preseason and make sure I get, <laughs> get my team uh, sorted by then. Before we go though, uh, give us give us another plug of your your Discord and, and what's happening on there.
1: Yeah, so if you just want to go to my Twitter at homesyheroes, um, there's all the links on there. Um, Basically, the pre-season stuff's just flying in there. We've got all sorts of channels where, you know, you've got pretty decent fantasy coaches in there giving opinions and advice. There's no news that happens that just doesn't get pinged in there within a minute of it being uploaded. So, like like Louis said, there's just content everywhere and it can be too much, but at least you've seen it all and you can make your own, own decision from there. We try to make it so um, there's a bit of relevance to it as well in terms of like we ask people to put their highest ever rank in their team name in there so it's not just whoever trying to give advice Um, if you've got a high rank we at least know there's a bit of credibility there Um, because obviously we want it to be a good resource not just not just some twitter thing where everyone's just giving their opinion because everyone's an expert Um, we do these amas so we've been getting um, some well-known fantasy coaches on um just to provide so like they'll go into a channel um, everyone in there will ask their questions, and similar to this in podcasts, we record it and we just go live and answer questions. So we had Warney the first week, Selby week two, and then and then you lads week three. So some pretty big things still to come. I've got a few more up my sleeve throughout the preseason, and hopefully I'll have time to jump on there as well and, and do do one myself or um, and answer a few questions there.
0: Looking forward to it, mate. And I don't think you'd happen to notice, but I haven't uh, I haven't put my rank uh, rank next to my name yet, mate. Um, I'll just wait for the end of 2022 and then put the number one next to there. I think All there's right. a character limit on the, on the names <laughs> you can put in Discord, so... <laughs> All right. And uh, everyone, don't forget as well, you can become a silver or gold member of the Keeper League to gain weekly in season access to the Pod Pod. Members gain access to advanced CBA analysis, state league fantasy scores, drafty fantasy scores for your rookie research, and much, much more, as well as our weekly podcast. Um, So jump on there and get that done. Thanks so much for joining us, Holmesy. And uh, we'll hopefully
1: chat to you again soon in the season. Yeah, nah, pleasure, boys. Thanks for having me. Really enjoyed it.